Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are excited to welcome Tracy Taylor Ward on our show today. Tracy's the owner and creative director of Tracy Taylor Ward Design, which specializes in weddings, milestone birthdays, holiday parties, baby showers, kids' parties, bar and bat mitzvahs, engagement parties, rehearsal dinners, and so much more. It sounds like you are the queen of fun. I cannot Mm -hmm. wait to jump into this. Tracy began her career as an interior designer. She has also been a host on HGTV and MTV. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, Town & Country, Harper's Bazaar, Martha Stewart Weddings, and more. Tracy and Mom and I, we met years ago, and we are so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here, Tracy. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. It was such a fortuitous meeting when we met at the fashion show, probably four years ago now, five years ago, something like that. But yeah, I just love what you guys are doing. You have such great energy. And I don't know if you guys know this about me, but my mom and I used to work together too. So I just think it's adorable and beautiful and all things good that you guys have a business as a mother-daughter duo. Well, you're so sweet. What did y'all do together? She is actually the queen of interior design. So she has an interior design company, had, I should say, she retired recently, but she did it for over 30 years and was very well known and was on Oprah and had best-selling books and trained interior designers and she trained me. And so that was how I got into interiors. Oh, and then how did you get on hosting those shows? So I was working as the vice president of her interior design company, which was called Use What You Have Interiors. My dad was also part of the business. It was a family affair. He did all the entrepreneurial stuff behind the scenes, and she did all the design stuff that was in people's homes. And I did interior design in people's homes as well, but I was also the VP. So when I was working for her, we got a phone call first from MTV. And they were looking for somebody to come do a dorm room makeover show. And they just wanted to know if we knew anybody who could do some TV hosting. And I said, I'd like to audition. And I said, come on down. So I did that. I ended up auditioning. I got the show. I did that. And then when that wrapped, Mm -hmm. a very similar thing happened where HGTV was cold calling places, called our interior design firm. And then one thing led to the other. And I did that show for almost two years. That's great. Oh my gosh. I know. I love it how as an entrepreneur, we just rope everybody in the family in in some way. Something <laughs> always gets involved. And you never know what's coming next. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> Very flexible. Never too. thought that I would be hosting these shows, but would love to do right. it. Right. <laughs> great. Mom and I are super excited. So she is a stylist, as everyone knows, and she has been. She's always had clients that are brides and mothers of the brides, mothers of the grooms, et cetera. And now we're making it a little bit more official and talking about it in a bigger way. So today we're mostly going to be focused on the wedding section of your business. And so we wanted to start off to say, is there a piece of advice that you could give to brides in the Mm -hmm. early days of their engagement that most maybe don't do? I think that a lot of people think about budgets, but they don't think about them at the right time. And so I feel like it's not that they're not doing it. It's just that they're doing it in the wrong order. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think the the best piece of advice is as soon as you're engaged, before you reach out to anybody or do anything, you need to sit down and you need to figure out your guest count and you need to figure out the maximum that you're comfortable spending, whatever that is. And then you create a blueprint that includes every single item that you need and want. So it's sort of like a combination between mm-hmm. must have items And so it's like a wish list paired with a must have. Right. And I think as this pertains to you, one of the things that people do not budget for because they don't know it exists. And so now we're trying to educate people that it is a thing is bridal styling. Right. Mm -hmm. So having a budget, not only for your wedding dress, but having a budget for the stylist to help you find your wedding dress or find your bridal party attire, find the mother of the bride attire is something that you should be accounting for if fashion is very important to you. Right. So I think that is the thing is people keep having their budgets go up and up and up and up because they don't know what they need to begin with. And if they just had an appropriate budget from the get-go if they worked with a wedding planner and particularly an experienced wedding planner like we are, then that person would guide them and help make sure that they're not making expensive mistakes because they would be creating an accurate budget from day one. So would they come to you with that list? Typically speaking, there are certain line items that people don't know they need. Mm -hmm. And so when they're coming to us with their list, they might be saying things like, you know, obviously we have, we have questions. We ask people, we have a questionnaire we send out. So we're getting a lot of personal information. So somebody who mentions on that questionnaire that fashion is really important to them. We're going to make sure that we're prioritizing things that pertain to that. So what we see is that people realize that they need a venue and catering and flowers and invitations, but they don't realize that they need a line item for lighting. They don't realize that they need a line item for a wedding stylist. They don't realize that they need a line item for transportation between places. Like there's just certain things that they think of later on when they're not working with the planner. But if they're hiring us, we're helping them think about it from the beginning. Right. So they come to you with a lot of sort of approximates. Like we're thinking this is how many guests we have to have this. We'd love to have this if possible. And then you kind of go through everything and explain to them what it's all about, all the things that they didn't think about for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. Okay. So the next question that I have is, are you back to planning big weddings for the most part? And I'm so curious to hear more about micromony. How you (laughs) term, I just love it. Yeah. So... We'll start with micromoney. Micromoney was a term that we coined and trademarked at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, It was a combination between micro and ceremony and micro and matrimony. And it sort of just all rolled into one. Mm -hmm. People just understand what it means as soon as you say it, which is really great because it's not a real word, Mm -hmm. um, but people just understand it. So micromoney for me is an event that's like 30 people or less. Mm -hmm. And it's a highly curated event that still includes all of the regular trappings of a wedding, just with a smaller headcount. It's not necessarily a small budget because it could be a huge budget. You know, we've done, this is going to sound crazy, but like we've done weddings that are six figures for 10 people because they just wanted ridiculous experiences. And for that person, obviously that's a lot of money to be spending for that number of people. But if you have very expensive taste, 
Oh, sure. And if you would have had a 200 person wedding, that would have cost a million dollars. Right. And you don't have a million dollars to spend and you have a hundred thousand dollars to spend. Right. Then scale your head count down until it works for you. But in terms of our big weddings, Mm -hmm. 200, 300 person weddings are pretty average for us. We do a lot of that. And now with how the world has changed and and COVID and COVID not going anywhere because this is just the new reality. It's not ending. People thought it was going to end. It's not ending. I know. It's so sad. I'm looking (laughs) at your face, Delia, and you're just like, no, don't say it. But it's, it's unfortunately true. Variants are, you know, coming yeah. in and out and it's just, this is how we have to be comfortable living moving forward for the foreseeable future. So mm-hmm. what we are finding now is that if you want to have those big events, you just have to do them with more ventilation. So whereas tented weddings were always a thing, now they're much more popular because you yeah. can have open air environments and certain venues that we work at. Like in the Hamptons, we do a lot of weddings at the Parish Art Museum, and that's a really great space because if you don't want to do a tented wedding, but you want to have a venue that already exists that's open air, that space has a beautiful overhang that creates, you know, weather proofing of sorts from rain without needing to do a full tent. So there's definitely lots of options, but if you're looking for a bigger wedding, you want to be thinking about airflow. Okay. And that explains, like for us, I was telling Delia, everyone is looking for lower, either lower heels or block heels because of all of these outdoor spaces. Yeah, that makes perfect oh, sense. Right. Mom, didn't you have a 400 person wedding? 450. Yeah. When she got married to my father. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, also yeah. it was two towns. So all oh, the Memphis yeah. people and all the Birmingham people. And it was also Big 1984. So I know the the last year that weddings were so popular is when Phoebe got married. That is so funny. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh my gosh, Tracy. Okay, so what with your own experience with your wedding led you to start this business? So it actually, it wasn't specifically my wedding. What happened was in 2009, I got engaged and I started planning my own wedding and was still doing interior design full-time at, at the time. Okay. Ah. And my mom and I were both working on my wedding as like a side project together because as, you know, she's such a great designer. Obviously, I wanted her to be a sure. big part of it. Also, she and I are just very, very close. I'm an only child. It was just a no-brainer. So we're working on it. And a couple of months in, my best friend gets engaged. And unfortunately, her mom was terminally ill. And so she contacted me and she was like, Trace, I I just can't plan my wedding right now. Like, I see how much fun you're having with yours. Could you please help me plan mine? So, of course, I said yes. And I started working on her wedding Mm -hmm. and was not thinking of it as a career pivot. I was just thinking, like, I am helping my best friend. And this is something that happens to be in my wheelhouse. So I did that. So 2009, I spent planning both of our weddings. And then in 2010, we both got married. And this was when Instagram was in beta, I think, or maybe it was even like before Instagram, like these were, these were social, very different social media days. But after her wedding in April and my wedding in July, we both had posted pictures on Facebook and Facebook was really popular. And people started looking at those pictures and commenting and asking her who she had hired. And then after my wedding, asking me who I had hired, not realizing (laughs) that I had done it. And so it was within six weeks of my wedding. So by September 
of 2010, I had more inquiries to do other people's weddings than I had inquiries to do interior design projects. And so I sat down with my parents and I was like, I think that this is meant to be and we're going to segue out of this. And Matt, my husband, who is my most favorite person in the world, he had designed the invitations and and reception stationery for my wedding and had also done it for my best friend Jenny's wedding too. And so when we decided to launch the company, we decided to launch it together, much Mm -hmm. like my parents had been happily married and working together for a very long time. And so Matt is my business partner and we launched it in September of 2010 and we've never looked back. That's amazing. That's such a great story. Thanks. And then, so we know that there are so many weddings this year, more than since 1984. So are people having to get very creative with day of the week they're getting married and also venue? Yes, it's been, it's a whole new world in terms of the landscape of days of the week. I think two years ago before the pandemic, I don't know what the percentages are. I'm sure you could find some statistics online, but like most people would definitely want a Saturday night Mm -hmm. wedding. Mm -hmm. And then I would say second most popular after that would be a split between Friday and Sunday. And then it would be pretty uncommon for people to choose, you know, a Monday through Thursday. Sure. Now with how booked out venues are, you basically have a choice. You can choose to wait a really long time Uh to have your dream venue. So you can have an extremely long engagement or in order to get that Saturday date or that month that you've dreamed of forever. Or you can say, you know what? I don't want to have a two-year engagement. I want to have a one-year engagement. I want to have a six-month engagement, whatever it is. I don't mind having a Thursday or a Friday wedding or a Sunday wedding. Mm -hmm. We haven't really seen people doing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And for us, none of our clients have actually booked a Thursday, although we've offered it to people as an option in case they've really wanted a venue that was so popular that they couldn't get. So we're still finding that Saturday is the first date that people want and Friday and Sunday would be second. But I think people need to be open-minded to those other days. And I think that as a guest, if you receive an invitation from somebody for one of those off days, it's no longer as poo-pooed. Like I think that people are receiving those invitations and also being more understanding about it. Right. So, And if you got married on Friday, your rehearsal dinner would probably be on Thursday night. Anyway, so just be like a long weekend type thing, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, it depends on what you want to do for a rehearsal dinner. Some people just do their bridal party. Some people do a full welcome party. So if you're inviting a lot of people in from out of town, then you would want to do something bigger. But if you're not having that many people having to fly in, then you could potentially just have a smaller dinner. Oh, okay. Because a lot of the brides, families that I've been working with, they have the welcome dinner on Thursday night. Friday night is the rehearsal dinner. And then the post-toast. After that <laughs> wedding and then a brunch the day after for all the out of town before they leave. So it's, it's a lot of clothes to figure out and for a planner. It's a lot of events very close together, right? Yes. Well that, what you just described is what we would call a wedding weekend, regardless of what day of the week it starts on and it ends right. on when you have multiple back-to-back events like that, it's very, very common to do that for a destination wedding. So a destination wedding is anywhere. Like it could, New York could be a destination if everybody else lives somewhere sure. outside of New York. So right. destination weddings would be a lot of work for us and a lot of work for you. Right. But it's also seems to be a lot of work when you have, you decide to have your wedding at your house. You oh, know, yes. Like, why did I, why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> 
is so much more work. So that is so much more work. Yeah. Which is very interesting to me. So as you guys know, I have a podcast with my co-host Shannon Leahy and our podcast is called Wedded the Wedding Planner Podcast Mm -hmm. and it's available on all platforms. We actually did an episode a while back all about private estate weddings Uh and so private estate is another way of saying attended wedding at somebody's home. Same thing. So for anybody who's listening that wants to learn the ins and outs of that, I would definitely check out that episode. Yes, and we're going to link that very special and interesting episode we need to listen to it too about mm-hmm. private estate weddings mm-hmm. yes there's so many different venues and so much to think about i'm sure brides immediately get very overwhelmed <laughs> well they do and that's when they start you know yeah. freaking out and then but but i think that more than ever it sounds like if a wedding planner and a wedding stylist can work together to so- sort of understand even separate from the bride, you know, kind of saying, this is what she's thinking. So, you know, just heads up that you're probably, you know, it's going to be on gravel or whatever. It's going to be outside. She like some brides insist on a five thirty PM wedding, but it's going to be outside. They know the sun is coming down. So they can't wear a silk dress. The mother, you know, there's so many of these little new things mm-hmm. on plein air that, you know, you didn't really think, have to think about before. So I would love to hear actually from you guys, like, what obviously your job is to prevent people from having wardrobe issues. Yes. Um, But have you ever been told by anybody, any kind of crazy horror stories of things that have happened with their clothing that maybe wouldn't have happened had you been a part of it? Cause I have something that I can share with you. Yes, definitely. I want to hear from you. And I, I, you know, there have been situations where someone, the mother of the bride went to the destination wedding and the dress I can't remember what happened with the dress, but when she put it on, it was, you know, I don't know what the same, something where she couldn't wear the dress. So she runs around telling everybody have two dresses. When you are a mother of the bride or the groom, you need to have two dresses to take on the trip just in case since you will not be anywhere near home. So that was her story that it was before she worked with me. It was her first wedding. Right. She came to me with her second child's wedding and said, okay, I'm not doing that again. Oh, yeah, right? right? So what is your story? So this was a long time ago. This was probably in year, like, two or three of my business. Mm-hmm. We had a bride who really wanted an extremely long veil that mm-hmm. would train, like, with a huge train behind her to be very dramatic. And what we warned her about, but she, she didn't listen. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's all we can do is tell people. And then what yeah. they do is up to them. Yeah. We warned her that the ground that she was walking on for the ceremony aisle was kind of rigid mm-hmm. and that it could potentially like catch. Sure. Yes. And she just didn't think that would ever happen. Mm-mm. And so she moved forward with purchasing it. Mm-mm. And then lo and behold, she's walking down the aisle during her ceremony and the veil attached to the floor in the back. So she's walking. And as she's walking, her head is Uh, getting pulled backwards because her veil is uh, stuck. And so somebody had to like run out and like unlatch it for her to keep walking down the aisle. Did they have to just keep walking with her? I actually don't think that they did, but maybe in hindsight they should have. I think they just fixed it and like went back to their seat. I'm sure it kept happening. And you know, as the bride, you're thinking the veil is getting ruined by the reception. Well, I guess if she had her on the reception. 
that is an intense story. Yeah. That's exactly where a wedding planner and a wedding stylist, you know, heads up, Allison, she didn't want to hear this, but, you know, it is going to be a real problem for her. Stuff like right. that. Yeah. Well, the, the only benefit of ever having a story where something happens is that it gives you more proof to be able to warn the next person because the first time I told her it might happen. But for the second client, I was like, this did happen. Gotcha. (laughs) What's so nice too, I think working with a wedding stylist is the bride. You're able to create that very cohesive wedding that you've dreamed of in terms of colors and what everyone's wearing and nobody be wearing the same thing. And if you are a like to be in control, (laughs) that's one way that you can be in control of the whole color scheme and everything. Yeah. Another thing, a part about that is, and it's the same with a wedding planner. I think sometimes a, a mother and a daughter and maybe a father kind of need a buffer, someone in the middle to kind of explain things in a calm way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of really helps. It's almost like, you it's know. like a mediator, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's like a mediator who has expert knowledge. Right. So you're able to be the voice of reason for everybody. Oh, yes. Not take that. So I think the positive thing about private estate weddings is that the venue is just any time if it's at your house. So that is a huge positive. You don't have to worry about this Thursday, Saturday thing. The venue would already be booked. There are pros and cons, I'm sure, to all different venues, but that's one huge positive. So What I think is interesting, I feel like in the past, engagements were not so long, but I feel like now people get married and they're happy to be engaged for like one or two years, which I don't think I would be happy with that. But I'm curious about for you, are you seeing longer or shorter engagements? I think that we're seeing longer out of necessity, although we are trying to help people avoid that. And honestly, the reason is not just that it's a long time to be, to be planning something or thinking about something which can drive anybody insane as a bride or a groom, but also the COVID postponements haven't stopped. Like we've had people in 2022 that still had to postpone their wedding into later 2022 because of the variant surge that happened at the beginning of Omicron back in January, where we had a wedding that was supposed to be in February this year, and it got pushed to May of this year. Granted, they didn't push it a full year, but this concept where you don't know if you're going to need to move your wedding back further. Mm -hmm. If you're a, a couple that's looking at an engagement for two years to begin with, because the date that you want is not available, Mm-hmm. You have to know that at that two-year mark, you could still hit a variant and get pushed back further again. So I think for people who are just not interested in having this endless pushing yeah. cycle, yes. they would be better served trying to get a sooner date and right. sacrificing the day of the week. And then if they get pushed, like they're still within a year. Right. I think so too. It does put unnecessarily pressure on a on a relationship too with the you know, with the uh, fiance, the two, the girl, the woman and the man, because the stress is just like, kind of like what we've lived through with COVID. It doesn't stop. It's sustained stress for a year, basically. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a difficult process for the couple, which is why right. they hire us because right. they want it to be fun and easy. And it's our job to make it enjoyable for them. So right. we're lucky that all of our couples aren't really feeling that kind of anxiety because they have us to rely on. But sometimes there still is, you know, family drama or internal dynamics within their family that we can't, we don't know about, or we can't help with. It still will make things a little bit harder. So 
or a personality. Yeah. You know, if it's someone who's a worrying personality, you know, I've had people in the middle of the night there, we've made every decision and then I start getting the text messages. I'm rethinking this. What about this dress? Do you think this color is really the right color? For you know, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure you get that a lot with brides too. Okay, I want to know, switch gears a little bit um, and talk about, do you have a favorite dream wedding that you put on or several. I mean, I'm sure it's hard. It's like picking your favorite child. I was just going to make that analogy. It yeah. really is hard to choose. And I think the thing is we work with a lot of different types of clients in terms of where they're getting married. We, I would say if there's one type of venue we do the most work at, it's museums. We do a lot of different museums. They're the most challenging to work out outside of tented weddings. Oh. So I think because we're so detail oriented, we... <laughs> get hired for more challenging weddings because we're good at them. But as far as favorite wedding, I really don't have one because I like working in different aesthetics. Like I like having some weddings that are more traditional and some weddings that are more modern and some weddings that are more colorful and some weddings. It's just, it's fun to be doing different things. So yeah, so I can't really say that I have one favorite, but I will say that the weddings that stand out the most to me are the ones when clients give us the most creative freedom. Mm -hmm. Because if a client comes to us and they give us some parameters of what they want, of course, they're always telling us things that they respond to in terms of interior design stores or environments. They give us some inspiration, but if they let us really run free and use our creative juices to create something special for them, Mm -hmm. what we're capable of doing is so much better than right. if we're being told exactly what to do and we're just regurgitating something else. That makes sense. It makes me think of even like hairstylists. I was going to say that you with are, my hair. Or that, when, when someone brings a picture to the stylist yeah. and says, this is what I want. And they're like, well, that's not exactly going to turn out the way you think it is, you know, yes, but this exactly. is what I want. When I sat down with Loic for the first time, it was like, just whatever you think. I don't know why I was so open because hair, I, you and leave in tears for and be so sad for so long, but it worked. And he was able to create this look and I've loved it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard to release that control, but I do think like, just, this is an expert and you, I'm sure you give them as much information as they need to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. with what the end result is going to be. But Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that sounds really nice. Right. Absolutely. I think, I I think that would be so much fun to see. And then it really is like a gift to the bride Mm -hmm. and the bride having to put it on for everybody else. You know, exactly. They're like, I just want everyone to have so much fun. So how many weddings do you, or projects do you take on a year? It really does fluctuate depending upon the year. I'd say on average, it's anywhere from eight to 12. Um, And that's based upon the team that we currently have, although we've been in the process of expanding the team. So I think that as we grow as a company, we would obviously be taking on more. But the goal for us is to not inundate ourselves. It's very important to me that we have plenty of time to make each client feel like they're our only client. And so once you've started to take on so many projects that you can't give appropriate attention to people, that's when it's not going to be good for your business in the long run. Yes, please don't do that. It's the same thing with a fashion line, you know, or designer. The quantity versus quantity, the quality always suffers, always, mm-hmm. you know. So, and it also loses that specialness. It's so special that, you know, someone actually gets to be one of those eight people, right? Or 12 people, and they know they're going to have this very spectacular experience. I think exactly. 
okay, now how how far ahead did somebody call the planner? Like, do they call you like immediately the next day after they get engaged? Or do they even call you and say, I think I might be getting engaged? Or do they sit down after they're engaged and kind of talk things out first and then call you three weeks in or something? Yeah, it's more typical that people would be calling us after they're engaged. And typically that would be anywhere from a few days later to a couple of weeks later. So I think for a lot of our brides, we might already be on their radar before they get engaged. Like they might be following us on social media and have sure, minds sure. that they want to work with us, but they yeah. just are enjoying their engagement for a week or so before actually getting into the nitty gritty and diving fully, oh. fully in. But we do get calls and emails from people who are not yet engaged and who just want to find out some general information because they're really excited about planning their wedding and can't wait to get engaged and are very type A. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. That makes sense. That would be us. Can you give us an approximate amount? (laughs) (laughs) Like just call us back when you're ready. Just had my first date. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing. How much time would you like to have to be able to really put together the wedding that you, you, you would like to design? If we're removing from the equation, the difficulty of finding the dates right, and the COVID situation, we're just talking in more general terms. Right. I would say my favorite length of planning is probably seven to nine months, something in that vicinity. I feel like is really perfect because you have stuff that you need to accomplish each Mm -hmm. month, Mm -hmm. but you're not feeling rushed. And so you're able to get stuff done and feel like you're making progress, but it's not stressful. Whereas if you're doing it in under six months, it can be a little bit more stressful for clients. Mm -hmm. And anything longer than nine months, I would say, is just going to give you a lot of down, like extra downtime. Because the number of things you have to do is the same, regardless of how long your engagement is. So the longer your engagement is, it just spreads it out further, which means that you have less contact with your planner because of how spread out it is. Right. And I'm sure they come up with more things. I mean, (laughs) you know, the longer (laughs) you have, the more, well, do you think I should, you know, maybe we should add this and just. Yes. It definitely allows for more time for people to second guess things, which we don't want them to do. So I know I'm extremely tired of talking about all things Mm -hmm. COVID, but in terms of supply chain and any issues that it does present, are things more complicated for you these days? It's definitely causing Mm -hmm. issues in every industry. Right. That's not a question. Um, So as far as weddings are concerned, it is still an issue for us as well. Mm -hmm. The big thing is if you are working with a professional that can help you get things done in advance, then hopefully you're avoiding as much of that as possible. Mm -hmm. But we do warn our clients that with floral items, because we do flowers in house, just to give you, just to make sure I say this for Mm -hmm. your, your listeners. In addition to doing planning and design consulting, we also do flowers in house. We also do invitations in house. So those are our services. And so with flowers, sometimes we can pre-order something, but then all of a sudden at the last minute, like Mm. the, environment and the weather changes and something's not Mm. available or the vase that we thought that we were going to be able to get from (laughs) Japan is not going to come in in time. So we tell our clients that this might happen so that they're not surprised when it does. So I think that the big thing with with all of this is just really good communication. If you 
are the type of person that's transparent with your client about all of the things that might happen, then when they do happen, your client isn't going to be as disappointed. Whereas if you sort of ignore it or don't talk about it because you don't want to stress out your client, then it's going to be much more stressful in the end because the likelihood of these challenges is so high right now. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And like you said, it's an it's in every single industry and certainly in fashion as well and getting pieces made and getting the fabric to the designer. That's the main thing they're having trouble with Mm -hmm. in the fabric from other countries like Italy. Okay. So this is another question. When, When I was talking to Delia about what I wanted to talk to you about today that I thought would be the most helpful she said, please, let's not talk about how did you pivot? Because everybody talks about that. That's not what I want to talk about. But what I do want to talk about is what I find fascinating is these little silver linings. Like, actually, from going through this situation, I've realized that this is something that I want to do more of. And this was something that really we can do without those kinds of things. Like, are there any things that you think have made you, you know, have a different a view of things or that you've incorporated that are actually positives from going through this time? Well, I just think there's the positive in general is that people are much more safety conscious. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a good thing. I think that people should be less selfish and be thinking about how they can protect people and be supportive as a community and more caring and more guest centric. Like a lot of the decisions that people would make previously wouldn't always be with a guest in mind. It would be what's best for themselves. And I think now people are thinking about what's the overall experience going to be like um, and how comfortable people are going to be because if people are more comfortable, they'll be more happy and then they'll have more fun. So I think that that's definitely a big thing. I think that when people do destination weddings now, like they have to be a lot more cautious about their choices. So I think that the upside of that is that if you do do it, people are just so excited to get away. Like they're just so thrilled to be traveling and be somewhere. So the vibe is very, it was always fun. Don't get me wrong. People always loved weddings. They always loved destination weddings, but now there's like this entirely new level of elation that people are reaching. (laughs) I can imagine just going to an event. You feel like that. Yeah. It's just, it's like you can feel this high without having a sip of alcohol or anything else in your system because you're just so excited to be out. (laughs) Um, Location. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think those are the silver linings in Uh terms of what the wedding industry guests and clients are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on the theme of destination weddings, so one question is, do you go and visit different locations around the world that you suggest? And then two, if someone does choose a destination wedding, how many times do you visit? Because that's a whole added thing that brides need to think about. Yes, for sure. Great questions. Um, Yes. So visiting locations around the world is one of the best perks (laughs) of our job. It is something that we like to do as often as possible. And in our industry, it is referred to as a FAM trip, F-A-M. It stands for familiarization trip. And so a lot of hotels will actually invite us to be their guests and we will fly ourselves out there. But then once we are there, we are treated to our hotel stays and our meals and excursions. Um, And typically it's anywhere from two to three nights that we will get to experience that environment because 
once we have had that opportunity, it is much easier for us to sell that place to our clients and explain why it's so great because we've experienced it. Totally. It's like picking out a dress. You know, if I haven't touched it and seen it and felt it and even tried it on or see, yeah, it's very difficult, very, very risky. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's much easier to feel confident in making recommendations to our clients when we've had that experience firsthand. So that's the first half of the answer to your question. And then the second half is once somebody has decided that they want to do a destination wedding, typically they will need to visit that location two times before the wedding day. So they'll go out there for an initial walkthrough to make sure that it meets all of their criteria and that they love it. And then the second time they go out there will be for a final walkthrough that encompasses their menu tasting and probably a flower trial and any miscellaneous meetings they need to do out there. And then the third time they'll go is for their wedding day. And then do you, do you go during that last portion? Yeah. So we are always, we are definitely there for the menu tasting and flower trial and depending upon the client and their budget would determine whether they're, whether we accompany them on that initial visit as well. Okay. And you are there obviously on the wedding weekend. Yes. So our team is there on the wedding weekend to run everything. There's Mm -hmm. a group of us. We all have individual responsibilities. Um, I am not present for, I'd say 50% of our weddings at this point. I am styling things, but I can do that remotely. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on the project, whether I'm on site or I'm not on site. Um, Right. But yeah, our team is phenomenal and Mm -hmm. very experienced. So our clients are super comfortable with that. So with a destination wedding, it's almost like you're a travel agent as well as planning a wedding, right? <laughs> well, we don't handle the bookings of their guests. So for anybody okay. who does need somebody to give that extra level of handholding with creating, I mean, we do create hotel blocks, but in terms of being the point of contact for each guest who's making their reservation, right. that is not something we do. Right. However, there are travel concierge services that do that for weddings. Oh, and so if a client is looking for that caliber of service, mm-hmm. we will recommend that to them. That's great. What about for people that are thinking about having a destination wedding? Do you have any tips that like even before they call you, if they're thinking they're going to call you and say, I want to get married, I want to get married at a castle in Scotland. So, which I keep hearing people doing for some reason. So sounds great. I know, (laughs) but like, what are the, are there any tips to say, okay, before you even call us, you might want to think about or get these things in order or whatever. I mean, you need to know where people are coming from. So having a good sense of like, okay, 30% of our guests are flying in from this location. 70% are coming from this location. This is how many hotel rooms I think that I need. Figuring out whether you're going to be covering the cost of those hotel rooms for your guests or Mm -hmm. going to be asking them to pay for themselves. Like you need to have a really good understanding of that because the venue that you're looking for, not every single hotel does have the right number of rooms or not every single hotel is going to have rooms in the price point that your guests can afford. So there's a lot more thinking that goes into the logistics of how much things cost for your guests before you figure out what the location is. Interesting. And so traditionally or not traditionally, but if you are considering, you know, having a wedding and trying to decide if you want it to be destination at your house or at a museum, say, or an outdoor space, a tenancy. Mm-hmm. 
which which is the most i guess it doesn't those are like those would be the doing a museum attended wedding or destination wedding are your three most expensive category of weddings right but i would say going back to what i said earlier in the episode about the budget being the most important thing sometimes once you figure out your budget you realize that you can't afford certain things that you thought that you wanted. And so you have to realign your vision right. to meet what your budget will allow. So that is still, as I said earlier, the most important thing to do first. And then once you figure that out, then you can start exploring different locations. But I will say different cities and different countries have different price points. And so the way in which your budget breaks down is going to look very different depending upon which location you've chosen. So it isn't as helpful for a client to come to us with multiple locations that they want to do the wedding in. Like if somebody were to say, hey, Trace, like we're thinking about Mallorca and we're thinking about Capri and we're thinking about Ohio, (laughs) like if that's where they're from, let's say hypothetically. Yeah. The budgets are going to be so different that the amount of work we're going to have to do is going to be so much greater than if they figured out before they reached out to us, like, okay, we definitely want to focus on Ohio or we definitely want to focus on Capri. So it is recommended to try and hone in on where you want to do it Mm -hmm. and how many people it's going to be and what you can afford before you're exploring more. Okay. That's great. I always feel like knowledge is power. So if they can get that together and then they come to you and then that really saves time, I'm sure too. Yes, exactly. What are some popular trends that you are seeing for weddings these days? So that's always an interesting question to me because there's definitely trends. Like, for example, right now we're seeing, and I'm sure you guys are very in on this based on what you do, but like with bridal party attire, patterned dresses are like all the rage. It used to be before solids or everybody wearing the same dress. Now everybody's in different dresses. Everybody's in patterns and it's really beautiful and elegant and and I'm really into it. But as a company, I would say we are not as interested in super, super trendy trends. Like I don't mind a little bit of a classic elegant trend, but we pride ourselves on having events that are timeless and that you could look at the images in 15 years from now and still be thrilled with the decisions that you made. And so some very like cheesy, trendy things that some people might be really into, we sort of try and help our clients avoid. Yeah. (laughs) That makes sense. That's interesting about the floral um, bridesmaids. I haven't seen a lot of that yet, but I've seen a lot of, this is the color, pick out the dress you want. Right you know, that kind of thing. So that's really good to know. Very interesting. Yeah. And then they'll wear them again. Yes. They will wear them happily. Right. Do you think weddings are becoming more formal or less formal? Do you think this Bridgerton gilded age situation is influencing brides and their dreams? So we actually do have a bride right now who's doing a Bridgerton gilded age concept. And I'm very excited about it. It's going to be, (laughs) it's actually taking place on my 40th birthday, which is this coming May. She's doing it at Glenmere mansion, which is a beautiful property upstate. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that next. Uh, Great. But, um, yeah, I don't think that even though that is a, a theme that people are really into right now, 
again, that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. Perfect segue, because it is a theme. It is popular. We are doing it, but it's classic and timeless because it's, it's a prior classic, elegant right. concept that just like came back around. Right. So it does work for both. That being said, I, I do think that you can have more casual weddings without needing to play into that. Our clients are not super casual, Mm -hmm. I will say. Like, our clients are looking for something effortlessly chic. Like, that would be their definition of casual. So there's still this element of things being sophisticated and refined, and it's still expensive. But it's when they think of casual, they think of more casual luxury. Right. Um, So simple, but casual. Yeah. Exactly. So. I think I just wanted to make sure I defined that because when we use the word casual, some people might think of like backyard picnic wedding. And while that might be taking place in many locations, it just isn't what we personally do. Exactly. And the thing about the trend with the Gilded Age is in a lot of, well, certainly where my clients live in different pockets in the United States, that never left. You know, that's what our parents did. That's what we did. And that's what our children do. You know, so it's not so complicated to figure out how to make that look. Right. It's not something entirely new. Well, congratulations on being named one of the best wedding planners in America by Bride <laughs> Magazine. Oh, Thank my you. That's incredible. Okay, Tracy, so this is something that's fascinating. So when we do something, we go all out. We don't ever do anything super small. Over Memorial Day weekend when I was like, Mom, we should really start exploring the wedding space in a bigger way and making it more official. So anyway, I had this idea in my head of when a bride gets engaged, she goes to the store and she gets all these wedding magazines. Number one, no stores sell magazines anymore. And number two, I went to the only place in New York that has it, this place in on 8th Avenue that has all these magazines filled top to bottom. There are no bridal magazines in print anymore. How do you feel about that? I'm dating myself here, although I did just share my age, so people know. You're young. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I'm not old yeah, by yeah. any stretch of the imagination, but I'm old enough that I really, really enjoyed magazines growing up. And oh, yeah. I remember having subscriptions to Seventeen Magazine and Marie Claire and Glamour and all of those when I was a teenager. And then as I got older, that changing to Vogue and Architectural Digest and Town right. & Country and Bazaar. So I have always enjoyed like getting my mail and seeing the magazine arrive and being like, Ooh, I'm going to get to relax on Sunday and like get a pedicure and read this magazine. And like, that was my dream Sunday. Um, So it is sad to me, you know, that they're not in print. That being said, everything is digital. It's all online. It's super easy for people to get the information as fast as possible, Mm -hmm. learn more. So, the nostalgia to me is what's sad that it's not there, but the content right. is very much out there right. um, and even more accessible than ever. Right. More and quicker updates and everything is faster. You don't have to wait another month, but at the same time, being able to tear out those pages that you love and stick them on the, your bulletin board or whatever to, to look at is, but you can still do that. We can still do that with town and country and Vogue and architectural digest. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them, yeah. Okay. This is always fascinating to me too. Do you have any interesting, funny stories? I'm sure they all worked out fine. So last minute emergencies that you all had to deal with that, you know, were kind of dramatic, but turned out well. 
So some of them I can't share. Um, <laughs> yep. It's, no. Yeah, we, we have some really insane ones, actually. But I will just share one that was like a, a little, a mini one that was most recent. So, and again, not a huge deal, but you'll just find it I entertaining. Mean, so two weekends ago, we did a beautiful wedding up in the Catskills. Mm -hmm. And while we were setting up the ceremony site, there's a big creek and stream that sort of like runs horizontal to where the ceremony was. And where we were putting the arch, mm -hmm. I was sort of framing it. So something that I do, which I think is really helpful, is I'll take pictures of where I think the photographer will be standing to see through my camera, like what it's going to look like, because sometimes right. when you're standing in a space, the space is so big that right. you don't focus on certain details. But when you look at it through your lens, you'll okay. see something that you wouldn't have otherwise noticed. So when I was doing that, I noticed that on the far side of the Creek, there was a tree that had an orange piece of like plastic around it because it was getting marcated for something, right. but it was literally fall. This tree and the orange was like dead center. If you were looking through the middle of the arch behind wow. the couple, wow. and I was like, no, there's no way right. that I'm going to let that thing be right. in every single person's picture. Even if the uh, photographer could Photoshop it out of the client's pictures, uh, I still felt like, it's so distracting. Absolutely. Um, and so thank God I have the world's best team because one of the women that work for me very nonchalantly like chucks off her shoes and wades through the creek and climbs to the other side and pulled it off. Oh, how funny is that? <laughs> That's so great. That, uh, that made me think about sometimes like I'm working with with a mother of the bride for her dress. I'm like, okay, I'm going to film you walking away from me and film you video you walking towards me. So you can see what the people in the pews or, or wherever, you know, are going to be seeing as you're walking down because you know, a lot of people, the bride obviously thinks about the back of the dress, but other people don't. So those little details are so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a big difference. Exactly. It's the smallest things. Right. That you wouldn't think of, it had nothing to do with planning in advance. No. You know, when we had done a site visit at that property, that those marketers right. were not on the tree. Oh, and right. people that marked the tree weren't thinking about the fact that there was going to be a wedding right there in that area. Exactly. So, yeah. Wow. So, are there less church weddings? You're not planning many weddings happening in a church? We always have some church weddings, some synagogue weddings, but generally speaking, it's always been the case that the majority are not in houses of worship and those religious aspects are taking place like on site at the property that we're working mm -hmm. at. So it's not that the weddings aren't religious. It's just that they're not usually doing it in houses of worship. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, mom wanted to ask this question, but I'll ask it. So how did you manage to find Ben as a young mom, wife, along mm. with being such an in-demand wedding planner? I definitely don't think that I'm as good as I could be, but maybe that's just the curse of being yeah. a hardworking person as you always feel like you could be doing a better job of balancing things. I think that what it boils down to is that when I'm at home, mm -hmm. I try very hard to keep my phone away from me so that I am completely tuned into my daughter and not looking at a device. 
that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And I catch myself and I'll just like bring the phone back into another room to get it away from me. But I think that the key is in the morning for the hour that I have with her before she's in school, yes. making sure that I'm spending time with her. And yes. then I walk her to school every morning. So that's very special time for us. Then I come to the office while I'm at work. I'm not focused on anything other than work. And then when I leave work at the end of the day and I go home from the time I get home, which is typically around six o'clock until she goes to bed at eight o'clock, like I have two hours of that time to really focus on her and right. give her all of my attention. So I just think it's about being intentional and really not being distracted. Being in the and, Yep. And then making sure that you're just having fun because that's what they remember is like how much you're smiling and yeah. and enjoying each other. And even if you only had like 30 minutes a day with your kid, if you can do it in a way that makes them feel special and loved, like, oh, absolutely. and you know, start little traditions. Exactly. Remember. And you can, you know, it's, I think she enjoys when I tell her stories about when she was little and she would do this or that, you know, we laugh about it, but, and the fact that you get to work with your husband is great too, because then you get to see him. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I can't get enough of him. He's the best. I know, but how do y'all, so like, it's interesting with mom, I feel like you're less about, oh, let's just go to the museum and hang out and be mother daughter. They're always like, this is for work, you know, whatever. So how do y'all be personal and just be husband and wife as well and turn it on? Yeah, well, he and I have very different roles within the company. So it is very easy for us to not like constantly be talking about stuff mm -hmm. because we're working on different things, but we mm -hmm. do obviously have to fill each other in constantly. So there's a lot of conversation because um, mm -hmm. it's a collaboration. It, he's not a wedding planner. He's a graphic designer and software developer. So he right. built out our entire client management system. And honestly, right. the majority of his time at this point is spent on coding and creating new software for our company. Right. Um, and that has been huge in terms of our growth as a company. Only a minute. So I'm really excited about everything that he's been working on and yeah, excited to see what that means for the future of weddings as a whole, because I'm hoping that we'll be able to start sharing that software and selling it to other people soon so that they can benefit from it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think too, you came from a family business growing up. That was you, you know, to have parents that were working together and, and you, you know, yes. working with you. Exactly. It seems very normal to me. Right. That own your own business, work with your spouse. Exactly. And have one kid. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all righty. So we're going to wrap this up. You've been so sweet to take all this time with us. Tell us how people can find you. Where can people find the brand? Where can people find you? So my full name is Tracy Taylor Ward. My website is tracytaylorward.com. My Instagram is just my name, Tracy Taylor Ward. If somebody didn't even remember the Taylor, they could just go to tracyward.com. It would still take them to my website. And a lot of people do refer to us as TTWD. So that's another like casual term that you'll hear thrown around a lot. That stands for Tracy Taylor Ward Design because that's the name of the company. Most people are reaching out to us through our website or they're calling us on the phone. Our phone number is actually really easy to remember. It's 1-2-288-8888. Oh, that's, one, two, two, eight, 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 eight. Oh, that's great. So just one number two and then all number eights and you'll get us. But yeah, we offer complimentary consultations to everybody that needs 
help. So if you are contemplating hiring a wedding planner and designer and you don't know where to begin and you just want to have a quick chat, right? definitely reach out. You can send us an email to info at tracytaylorward.com. Right. Um, you can find our contact page on our website. You can send a DM, whatever is easy for you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And congratulations. Yes, we're so proud of you and everything you do is so beautiful. Everyone needs to go to her Instagram, even if they're not planning a wedding or even thinking about getting married, just to go into this dreamy world. Thank you. I really enjoyed this and you guys are so wonderful. And thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Finds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.